You were like, nobody wants to just wake up and eat and go to sleep. I was like, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Irenacast. I'm your host, Jeff. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Alan. We are post-evangelical ministers and theological thinkers grappling with our place in the progressive Christian world. Thank you for joining us for another conversation on faith and culture. This week, you heard me right, Mona will not be joining us. She is enjoying a much-needed much vacation. Because of that, we actually brought in a third person to the booth. If you are a regular listener, you may remember from episode 20, myself and a friend, Adam, we did an episode on deconstructing your faith, and Adam graciously agreed to join us this week as a, as a third person for this week. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Welcome excited. back. Woo! I know I didn't get to talk to you, Alan, last time. Excited I know, to, we didn't get a chance. But I, I'll tell you, I listened to that episode, episode 20, at least twice, because I loved it so much. That's, that's uh, one more time than I did. Thanks, uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just guys, remember what I said. You guys talked about awesome stuff, uh, deconstructing faith. And there was one thing that you talked about, Adam, that stuck out in my mind for some reason. And it was the, like something about religious leadership and certain people are a type personality. So we value that in ministry. Whereas the people that are like in the middle of the the group that's on the run that are supporting people, we don't value that as much than the people who are last behind. Anyway, it was a really good conversation. And I think everyone listening after you listen to this conversation should go back and listen to it. So episode 20. For those of our listeners that may not have heard the 20th episode, although they're probably going into their playlist right now to check it out, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you are connected with this little thing we call Irenicast. Nice. So I live close by. That's my only connection. I'm kidding. I, I'm <laughs> I just friends. found him on the street. Yeah. Like, hey, right. come in here. <laughs> I actually think back, uh, there was been, there's been a time when... Jeff and you, Alan, both, all, all three of us were in the same room in a different house um, together. Uh, I was a part of a young professionals group that we were all in together. And then just as way of background, I'm a part of a, a nonprofit parachurch ministry, but I also consider myself somewhat post-evangelical. I mean, completely. My, my entire <laughs> being is somewhat beyond, is different. Um, and so, yeah, just being friends with you all uh, and having, I just as, it's a pleasure and an honor to get to seriously to get to come on and get to talk with you all and have it recorded. This is fun. Cool. Well, we are glad to have you. We really appreciate you coming in and, and filling in as Mona enjoys herself on vacation. So this week we're going to be talking about simplicity and for our segment, we're going to be doing something called desert Island. So Alan, why don't you go ahead and frame this conversation for you? Cause this is kind of coming from, from a place that you're at, right? Right. Yes. Simplicity. I've been thinking over maybe the last, month or so about just things happening in my life where I'm looking at everything I own, walking through all of it and thinking about just this need I have to live more simply. I mean, to spend less money, to buy less, to own less. And I think that comes from way far back in my childhood. I can remember being a junior higher and putting my like tw I got a twin mattress and I put it on the ground in my room and shoved it into the very corner so there would like be less space taken up by stuff so I could have more room to think I don't know maybe I'm just crazy but I've been personally working through this stuff about simplicity what what do I want in my life surrounding me and how is it impacting me and we talked a little bit about consumerism a lot about consumerism in a previous episode and 
I've been reading a lot through the Gospel of Luke and Jesus teaching followers to pray for daily bread, like in the Lord's Prayer, and talking to the people that are following him and saying, you can't follow me unless you give up all of your possessions. That's literally out of Luke chapter 14. And thinking through what it's like to follow Jesus, owning all of this stuff, the stuff that takes up so much mental space, takes up my time, takes up my resources. And uh, I just recently preached on this. And there's traditions all across his- across history in different disciplines and religions that value simplicity. I'm thinking of Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, even Bruce Lee <laughs> talked about how simplicity is an element of what they do. And it's like a crucial element. So that's where I'm at. And I am bringing myself to you and opening my heart and asking for some conversation because I think there's a lot to this that I haven't quite sorted out yet. Well, I, I, I feel like I just opened myself up, you know, you did, and you did feeling a little bit intimate at the moment. You're going Especially, full. You're going full on hippie, man. You're first, <laughs> first vegan, and now you don't want stuff. I like, know. What's now next? I want to be. Yeah. Now I'm going to be minimalist against consumer culture. Yeah. I. I don't know. I've recently. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, you know how like there's a certain subject that you that just hits you like all at once, like over like a the period of like a month or two. And this whole idea of minimalism, I've heard a lot about. Um, not that I hadn't heard of about it before, but like it's just one of those topics that seems to come up on a regular basis lately. And I I like it. Like I like the <laughs> I like the look of simplicity, but I still like stuff. Like, but that's partly because I'm a I'm kind I'm a bit of a tech junkie. You know, like I like. You're thinking of minimalism, like Apple. Yeah, and their yeah. Products. Like I like, like uh, <laughs> minimalism is buying the next iPhone. Exactly. That's minimalistic. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's I, the kind of minimalism. <laughs> I, I guess that's like an aesthetic like. of simplicity, right? Like it is something that. But simplicity itself would be not buying the next iPhone or the next gadget and kind of disconnecting from that. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I it's I, different for everybody. Yeah, I think it is different for everyone because I, I, it's hard not to feel guilty because when I hear people talk about minimalism or simplicity, I'm totally one hundred percent on board. But at the same time, like. I like having stuff and I feel kind of guilty for wanting stuff, but it's not like I'm hoarding stuff, you know, like it's not like I get the new iPhone and I want to keep the old one and then just stockpile it. Like I like getting rid of stuff. I like not having a lot of clutter around me. Um, So I I don't know. How do you differentiate between like what if you're interested in the things that you love and are interested in are intimately connected to objects? Right. I have that too. I I collect uh, social history journals, diaries, stuff like that. And those are physical objects. And I kind of stockpile it and hoard it, I guess. And that's that's something I'm attached to. I think it's all about, um, it's not like, for me, a legalistic thing. It's not you have to, you don't have to. There has to be these hard and fast rules. It's more of a mindset and an approach to the way I live. And how it is right now is I'll, I'll buy the water bottle rather than fill up a reusable bottle at home, you know, or wait till I get home to get a glass. Just like this sen- senseless consumerism, consuming all the time, the way I eat, what I do. It's just using and stock. And I think when I get into that sort of way of being, it numbs me to the world and it numbs me to God. Have you guys ever experienced that before? Maybe this is just me. You're on your own, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm on my no. own. No, 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 it's true. I that, that's how I feel. 
No, that's uh, so for me, there's like two different categories here. Um, there's the or, or maybe like a conversation about like standard of living from a Christian perspective. Often I feel like there's, you know, depending on your community, there's going to can be teachings about, you know, we're well, here are the acceptable levels. And within that category, it's something I've you know, thought a lot about, should we have two cars? Should we have one car? Uh, right now, like my wife and I have one car um, and it was somewhat intentional of a choice. And then also, you know, that choice is somewhat made for us by how much money you can make. Um, but just that pursuit of like, what's my standard of living going to be? And man, it's just super complex, right? And difficult. But then the, the other level that's maybe more interesting that I feel like you're talking about is the personal side. Right. Uh, for me, the, the, I think one of the areas that comes up the most is like the idea between getting something that's more expensive, but is better quality um, and feeling okay about that versus, yeah, getting, you know, the cheapest pair of jeans or the cheapest, you know, shopping at the thrift store or something and getting something that, you know, falls apart and then you end up actually buying more over time. Um, yeah. Yeah, but there, I, I do have a sense similar of like, I don't know if this is what you're saying, but deep down there is a voice of like, oh, I'm really privileged. I'm white, I'm male, I have tons of resources. And while I live in a community where it seems like everybody else makes way more money than I do, I still, you know, if you look the other direction, I'm still like what, within the top 3% of the world. And inherently there's this like, ah, how do I get under, or how do I get away from that? Go sell everything uh, and follow me. You know, like there has to be a way around that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's inherently a bit of guilt in my own experience for sure. You're, you're right. There is two separate things going on here and I can see that. How much do I need for my daily living? And the other thing that I'm thinking about is more of an attachment, the attachment we mm. have to the physical objects in our world or the possessions that we own, right? The, the, the way we feel about them. And the way we care about them, not care for them, but care about them. Yeah. Well, like how much, how much headspace are your possessions taking up? Not just the space in your home, you know? The New Testament would say heart space, Jeff. Heart space. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Right? Whatever, whatever organ they use in the <laughs> Bible, organ, like the, the, what, the bowels, isn't that the Old Testament? It's not the heart, it's the like bowels. That's Shakespeare. Or Shakespeare. And maybe the Old Testament, yeah, maybe the Hebrew Bible. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. Headspace. Where where your value is set is where your your heart or your thoughts and your attention will lie. And I think the more and more we have, the less space in our mind we have for God or for other people or for experiencing the world around us. The other category that you were talking about, the the living standard, I find it really interesting that Jesus tells people to pray for daily bread. Like that's that is just a revolutionary concept for me the more I think about it because praying for daily bread is like a leveling thing. It, it raises up the people who don't have daily bread, who don't have access, you know, the people who are oppressed and poor that Jesus was preaching to. And he's saying, cry out for daily bread. Uh, and at the same time, he's telling richer people who have all sorts of stuff to get on their knees and ask for bread for the day. It's like a humbling thing, right? To ask for your portion for the day from God when you don't need that portion, when you can take care of yourself. The, the thing that's going on in my mind is what do we value? What do we uh, put our hope in and our trust in? I, I said I preached on this, the, the fact that we stockpile nuclear weapons, right? We stockpile, we have over 7,000 nuclear warheads in the United States right now. Some are being de decommissioned, some are not. And Thinking about the the idea of simplicity of having what you need and not too much, 
in that sense, it becomes life-threatening. Like the, the, the moment we go beyond and become excessive in our need to own or protect what we have, it, like, if it threatens us, it threatens the world around us. Did you see the John Oliver uh, episode about nuclear warheads? Did you guys see that? I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, I missed it. Dude, there was a, a plane that flew over the United States with nuclear weapons on it on accident, and it landed on an air, at an airport and sat there for three hours unguarded. Right. That's crazy. And that's just because we have too much. We just we have, we have too much of it and we can't even like take care of the ones that we have. And I feel like that's a huge thing, but it's also me. It's my life. I have too much to actually enjoy or take care of. Yeah. And I think it's reflective, too, in political ideologies. Like you're talking about um, the the stockpiling of nuclear weapons. I got uh, I, well, I didn't get suckered in. I agreed for some reason to go to this uh conservative propaganda documentary in the theaters a couple years ago and it's called 2016 and it was about how basically obama is going to bring in the end of the world (laughs) and uh there's one part of the movie where they're talking about this idea of nuclear weapons and i don't remember the exact numbers but they said that we as america we have like this astronomical amount i think it was like four or five thousand again I don't know for sure, but I know it was, it was ridiculous, like four or 5,000 nukes. Like who needs that? Like, that's not, you know what you need, like right. maybe 10 to destroy the world. <laughs> I think yeah. you need thousands. And then, so I'm sitting in the obvi- audience and obviously the people in this place are conservative. So they're, everyone's nodding and, and I'm sitting there very uncomfortable, like shaking my head. And then the commentator makes this comment about how president Obama wants to reduce our nuclear arms down to somewhere in like the three or two hundreds. And that's happening right now. We're going from seven to like three. Yeah. Four. So, so like everyone gasps and I was like, I'm looking (laughs) around and I'm thinking, why, like, why is that so bad? Like, I don't understand why this out of everything that you've seen in this documentary, everyone in this room, how is it that you gasp at the fact that we are going from thousands of nuclear weapons to hundreds and that's a horrible thing. It, it, and especially when they even like went through and they said like here's what all the other nations have and no one even had anything close to that amount mm-hmm. of arms and I'm just I was blown away like okay so I understand like we have an excessive culture in America but to apply it to something like nuclear weapons <laughs> yeah. I I couldn't believe it I I still can't believe it when I think about it like the whole experience is super surreal to me it's like an intergalactic version of hoarders or whatever you know yeah. aliens <laughs> come and I'm like we gotta. You guys have way too many of these things just lying around. <laughs> no. it, it's it's fear. It's based on fear. Yeah. And my own my own consumerism and amassing what I have is based on fear too. I there were there was a past episode where Mona even talked about like when she got anxious, she would like eat more or she would stockpile food in her house because it like made her feel better. I or something like that. A candy bar sitting on the 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 shelf. And I think the the fear is what drives us. We need more nukes, right? And uh, my fear drives me to buy the next iPhone because I don't want to be bored or I don't want to be caught somewhere and not have the latest technology that will give me access to do whatever I want. Like, there's always this underlying fear that um, if I don't collect and own, I'm not going to have what I need. But to connect to the spirituality of Jesus is to recognize that like God will provide, right? That God, Jesus says in the Gospels, uh, you ask from God and God's not like your father, you know, your earthly father who even earthly fathers, when they ask, when the kid asks for a loaf of bread, they're not going to get a, a stone or a fish. They're not going to get a snake. 
Well, your your heavenly father is even greater than that. And so ask God for what for what you need. And there's like this dependence upon God. That's like the way of Jesus. That's what Jesus did, depended upon God. And I think fear breaks me out of that dependence and connects me to this kind of sick and twisted way that the world operates. And that is be scared you're not going to have enough or you're going to be bored or whatever and consume, collect, make your life muddied and messy and um do away with simplicity just because you're afraid. That's how it feels for me. Maybe it's totally different for everyone else. I think that's a good, I don't know, analysis. I think fear is definitely at the heart of it, right? Isn't that the the thing we always talk about is that idea of like the fear of being left out or whatever that, that that's kind of at the core of why we have all this stuff. You know, why do we have, why do we have all these guns in our shed in the backyard? Because we're afraid that, someone's going to come and you know rob us i mean that's the whole rhetoric behind gun control right or lack of gun control is is fear is you should have because this may happen even though statistically yeah that's a whole nother episode and and what would happen to be honest if you didn't have the latest cell phone if you didn't have the the clothes that you wanted or um whatever it is whatever it is that we clutter in our lives like if you don't have the latest gaming console or that book you really wanted or whatever if you don't have all that stuff are, do you die <laughs> you know what i mean like a little what? inside a little inside <laughs> you're not a good american i i you know i'm trying not to be i'm just trying to be a good jesus follower and it's starting to like you know chafe under the collar a little bit it's it's tough and this is totally my personal reflection. This is not being judgmental of other people. I, I get so sick and tired of hearing preaching and then me accidentally preaching sometimes and having to walk myself back, taking stuff like this and forcing it on other people. I mean, it, it, it's one thing to hear the call for simplicity and to really internalize it and it change you kind of from the inside out. It is totally different to tell other people they should feel guilty about this or that, right? Like that's... I, I'm not all about that. So this is something that is happening inside of me and I'm just trying to sort it all out. And I think it, you know, it should happen in you too. So make some space in your life and think about this. The come to Jesus moment right there. Yeah. Come to Jesus. Realize that you're missing out on the most important things in life because, and this is for me, because I'm focused on all the crap that doesn't matter, you know? So what, what, what is scary about not having you know, to, to, to go in that direction, to, to become a person who lives and however you would define the simple, what, what are the, you know, if it is about fear, what are the fears that come up at the individual level than you think? Not having what I need would be like the biggest thing, right? Not having my needs met at any moment. I said boredom, but I actually meant that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared of being bored. I'm scared of having a quiet moment where I'm forced to like <laughs> just be in the world and not be entertained. So we're just scared of ourselves. Yeah. Scared of self-reflection. Yeah. I think for me, there's a sense of the fear of, I mean, it's, it's so cliche, but it's, you know, not measuring up or of just being uh, incapable or incompetent. And it's not even, you know, a particular product. It's, it's just the sense of like being able to purchase something that I want um, or, or even just to own something. Um, it's not necessarily even purchasing, but to own something means that oh man, I've worked hard enough or I'm competent enough to have been able to get access to whatever. And now I have it. And look at that. I'm, you know, I've done it. Whereas, so that the fear so that comes from me. A demonstration to yourself or to other people that you are yeah. a competent person is a part of that. Yeah. And I think maybe the, 
I don't know if it's just cultural or what, but that those two things aren't necessarily any different. What I mean is like, what what's bad for me, or I feel like what's what's um, not healthy for me is the reality that those things are synonymous sometimes. What you said of like, well, will people think that I'm competent or will I think I'm competent? You know, mm-hmm. like if, if someone else thinks it, maybe I'll believe it more. But so deep down, there's that like fear of, uh, the simple life means I'm not going to have anything to point to to show that I am competent, which means that I'm not, you know, that the fact that way deep down in me, I don't feel like I'm competent or, you know, what if it's true that I'm just some, you know, it's like that little kid's voice in your head or whatever. That's the like fear that that's going to get exposed. You're going to have to deal with that or that that is the ultimate reality that I am just a little pathetic person that hasn't been able to, you know, get their act together. Cause if you do, then you should be able to afford, you know, whatever it is or have this much. And yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like like having to have uh items and and i think we all do it but i, I was thinking of while you were talking uh, a lawnmower right going to the neighbor and borrowing a lawnmower because you don't have one or you weren't competent enough to get one like it shows weakness or something so we all own lawnmowers we all own everything instead of sharing things in in common the whole pull it up by your bootstraps sort of thing man if mona was here she would talk about you know Adam Smith and all sorts of historical things about capitalism and consumerism, but really deep down attaching your self identity to the objects that are around you is a tragedy, you know, like that's that your worth is, is somehow calculated based on what you're wearing or what you're eating or what you're, you know, the things that are around you um, is dehumanizing, not just to you, but to other people too. I think that the the spiritual practice of simplicity is returning to yourself then, right? You're not your lawnmower. You're not your demonstrations of competence. You are who you are. And that may be scary, but like that's embracing that is one of the first steps of spirituality of loving other people. And yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Totally. You know, this being a post evangelical, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, podcast or whatever. I think one of the reasons why I find myself in that category is because largely the church experience that I had did nothing to provide any kind of transformation out of that reality. You know, it's these particular beliefs or whatever, sure, hold them, but they don't have to, it's all done. You know, you can still be an American successful, everything. And like (laughs) the tensions don't, you know, there's this move to remove any tension between, you know, capitalism and uh, being a faithful person or spirituality and own, you know, like it was awesome that Jesus has right. these things. It's attacked directly, you know, and somehow, even though it's, you know, clear as day in the scriptures, supposedly, um, or it's pretty, you know, on the nose, we still have developed these, uh, systems. Um, and I'm sure more progressive churches do it in a different way, but like, you know, at least within my own experience in the more conservative background, you know, there's no problem. There's no tension between, being an American that's crazy successful, um, you know, between the fundamental realities of the systems, whereas, you know, someone like John the Baptist would have a lot to say <laughs> about the differences between, you know, scarcity and abundance and personal property versus community property, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we don't, but I'm, what I'm getting at is we don't necessarily have the tools though, you know? So, I mean, like your early desert fathers and mothers who were crazy examples of your scarce, of your, uh, you know, living with nothing. I mean, people would go to them to figure out how that, you know, how do we actually experience transformation? You, you must be a faithful person or just that spiritual reality. Yeah, it can't exist, I don't think, or it's very difficult for it to exist within, not that people can't be spiritual, but just that, man, these are things working against each other. 
I just right. don't think we like to acknowledge that because it just feels so darn good to see, you know, that new screen turn on. And <laughs> Well, and not only that, but, you know, you're talking about our old paradigm within evangelical churches. I came from a Pentecostal background. So it's in, a lot of, in a lot of circles, <laughs> it was like, if you don't have excess, then you are not being blessed by God. And that is that is on display with a lot of, especially the more charismatic television stuff, you know? Have you ever been to or driven by the, the TBN studios in Southern California? Like, they have gold-plated urinals. Like, you know, I can't remember one time it being encouraged, like you're saying, like, as a, as I was growing up in church, like, you know, your spiritual disciplines were prayer, reading your Bible, and going to church, you know? But and naming where, it and claiming it. Exactly. <laughs> but where was, or speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit or whatever, but where was the... How do you become detached from the things that you have and really be able to self be self-aware enough to know like what's causing that connection to those items, mm-hmm. whether it's fear or abandonment or lack of a real healthy self-esteem? You know, we were taught Christ esteem. You don't need self-esteem. <laughs> All that stuff. Like, how do we how do we do that? And then on the other side of it, how do we balance that with even have the luxury to say, I should live a simpler life when they're millions and billions of people who are forced to live a simple life and there's no problem with it you know it's i don't know it's such a difficult thing which is why alan what you were saying earlier i think it's good like i think these themes are important for us to wrestle with and somehow apply to our lives but it's when we come up with our solutions and impose those solutions on everyone else struggling with it well it worked for me so it should work for you and i think that's kind of the mode of spiritual leadership in our country is we find a formula and then we throw it out to everyone. And when people feel like they don't fit that formula, then they feel guilty or they feel bad about themselves. And it puts them in more of a place to want to pretend to be something that they're not. Something that you just said, Jeff, first of all, I agree, Adam and Jeff are, my background was not Pentecostal, but even in a non Pentecostal background, there was an understanding that if you were a responsible person, if you read the Proverbs, right? You do good, you get good. And if you were being a responsible Christian, a responsible American, you would own a car, you would own a wife, you would own <laughs> kids. <laughs> well, basically, right? yeah. You would own all- but- and, and, and that's a demonstration. <laughs> and uh, and there's there's this sense that it's not just there's no no tension between those things. Like they're they're necessarily linked for yeah. some people's religion is that that is a demonstration of godliness, right? Instead of hey, pick the person in your church who has really committed to not owning stuff like that and being disconnected <laughs> from some of the material. Exactly, you yeah, don't put them on the board, so. right? You don't have them run programs at your church because they're so in in touch with the way of Jesus. I I don't say spirituality because I don't believe there's a disconnection between the spiritual and the physical necessarily, but but in touch with uh, God's operation in the world. It's not consumerism. It's not demonstrations of competence. It's not, you know, owning all of this crap. There's there's a different, the kingdom of God is not found in those things. And that is explicit in the gospel. And so I think that, um, well, what do we stand to gain? You, you, you were talking, Jeff, about embracing simplicity, being like more self-awareness. And, and, and I couldn't agree more. We stand to gain ourselves in all of this. We gain ourselves. We we gain deeper and more meaningful connection with God when we're not just just yeah. taken with, up by all the weapons with others, of mass distraction. Like, with yeah. others, 
Yeah, with, with others, others for sure. Because if you think about it, like you're talking about the idea of a lawnmower, like you, everyone owns a lawnmower. How often do they really use it? And how like that one piece of equipment, like, you know, like community sharing things, like being able to connect, use your stuff to connect instead of isolate and how all the things that we have that we only use every now and then, how if we made that a part of like some kind of share plan, I think I, I don't remember who was telling me about something like this, but they have like a community tool shed where everyone can just go and use it because no one's rarely do people even use it at the same time or often enough to justify everyone having to have one i think i was talking i think we talked about that in our consumerism episode possibly and there's that i I met a guy from a different country that thought it was crazy we all owned all these different a drill uh you know this or that and he said just like one neighborhood would have all that stuff and then uh, that we had storage units was just blew his mind completely (laughs) we put paid to just house stuff somewhere else it was crazy. It is crazy when you think about it. Like when you really think about it, it's it's kind of nuts. But so, I have one. <laughs> so so here's here's my problem. Um, I, f- I feel like like you do, Jeff. That there's this call to simplicity or this appreciation for it. But at the same time, like I want to have all my stuff, and that battle has kind of been going on my whole life. And I just have to like confess that it's super hard to opt out of consumption, right? <laughs> it's hard because of the world that we live in. Yeah. It's, it's just tough. I, I feel like the psychologists that talk about motivation, once you can tip the scales in motivation, that's when change happens. So you actually have to motivate the change. Like what do you stand to gain? It has to be greater than what you lose. Like what you lose, I'm about to lose all the things that comfort me. If I'm going to uh, pursue simplicity, I'm losing all of like the mindless distractions that I have felt filled my life with. And it's scary to be left without that. But what do I have to gain? Like the whole freaking world, right? (laughs) Everything, other people, me, God. And maybe this is just way too psychological and we shouldn't have done this episode, but (laughs) it feels like I'm schizophrenic on the inside. We're about 30 minutes in, so it's too late now. There's no turning back. (laughs) Well, I wonder if it's less about though eliminating distraction as it is like, if we're really all going to simplify our life, how much of it is just getting rid of stuff that we really don't even remember is there most of the time anyway? Like, I, I don't think it has to be like, I think it'll lead into sacrifice. And I don't think that that should be completely separate from it. But if I'm thinking if, right, like right now having this conversation, like I'm thinking about my garage, I'm thinking about my storage unit and I'm thinking I need to get rid of all this stuff. It's not even in my mind. It's not attached to it. It's just because. I don't know. I don't even know why. Like I even self-reflection to figure out like why do I have all this stuff in the first place being that first place. And I don't even know if the motivation should be, should be simplicity, but I think the motivation should just be, you know, personal growth. You know, I think it's just it's something that flows out of something that's happening inside that simplicity is not the goal, but the byproduct of another goal. So instead of making austerity a goal, which is like always a problem, right? You're it's the difference between dieting and being like no food is my goal as opposed to good food and healthy living is my goal, right? Yeah. Those are the, those are the differences. Hmm. Well, then I would say, I mean, given our culture, uh American culture, uh western kind of that this is probably one of the areas where we have the most like blind spots when it comes to any kind of self-knowledge or even just, you know, how much it affects us, you know, it's just so much the water that we're swimming in. It's going to take some kind of strategic act 
um, whether it's just deciding to become more mindful about your purchasing habits or if it's even, you know, I'm going to catalog everything that I own, you know, is worth more than $20 or something. Does anybody else just get scared when you said that? Like, holy crap, that would take forever. I can't do that. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Kind of, yeah. Uh, How big is that Excel sheet, right? How far yeah. does it go down? I mean, you got to put a cap on it. Maybe maybe something that's like over 100. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, literally, like I'm, literally, you just said like, know what you have. And it scared yeah. the crap out of me because it's too much. <laughs> There's something wrong, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you say it out loud and that sounds silly, but I couldn't tell you necessarily everything. I mean, so I have, I think four or five boxes of stuff that, you know, so we moved back in April, I think. I can't tell you what's in some of those boxes and I'm not going to look in them until we move again. And part of me would love it if they just disappeared. <laughs> um, that'd be great. I think I'd be okay with it. And it's, it's kind of like in moments like this, this is when I need to make the decision to, to get rid of it as opposed to, oh, well, you know, there's that, you know, box of screws that, you know, I might need. Cause there is this weird, like for me, there's the flip side of this is, um, like a, almost like a supposed frugality, you know, that's under this, or maybe it's just yeah. my coping mechanism or whatever for it. Or my excuse is well, I, you know, if I get rid of that, I might, you know, then I'm going to have to buy a new one at some point or, um, you know, and that would be ridiculous. So I'm just going to hold on to that. You're being a responsible steward by right. acquiring more and more and more of God's green earth, right? Yeah. And as long as my like collection looks less than most of the people around me, I must be a good person, right? You know, um, yeah. until I have That's... to move somewhere where <laughs> I'm interacting with people that I'm way more wealthy than all the time. And then, you know, or just open my eyes to what's happening anywhere else in the world. Um I think that's yeah. the problem. I don't have missions trips anymore, Adam. Hmm. I, I don't. I don't have the youth group. Let's go take pictures with kids that don't look like us, and you know, pretend we're helping them. And really, we're just being exposed to like different culture that's not as jacked up as ours in the consumeristic sense. I don't have that anymore. I yeah. just swim in this. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that, that's true. That's one of the benefits that I've. I mean, working with the um, kind of the nonprofit parachurch ministry that I'm involved in. There's you know, I'm constantly hearing from college age students, you know, about their, their, you know, they just went to, you know, the inner city for a six week thing, or they just went to Bosnia or somewhere. And oh my, you know, I'm hearing their stories over and over again. And, and, you know, so it kind of stays fresh, which is almost worse in some way, because it's not like I'm doing anything. About it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still hearing it all the time, but not, not necessarily changing how I'm living. Well, it's hard because our whole, like our well-being is based off of excess, right? This may be a misinterpretation of how our economy works, but it seems as though if a company that has stock, they they have a good year, but it's just not as good of a year as the year before, or they they made a profit, but they didn't make as much profit as they wanted to, then their stock goes down. And if enough stocks go down, then our whole economy crashes, right? Like it's whole based. So our entire system is based on excess. So if we don't have excess if we if we live too simply then our economy crashes like how do yeah. how do we how do we reconcile all of that like it is ridiculous that it's not good enough for a company to say hey we made money this year or we made enough to pay all our workers that's it yeah or, <laughs> like we need to keep making double and double like obviously like i said before like i'm in, into tech and you know apple had like a ridiculous like a record amount of quarters where they topped their profits you know and this time they 
they didn't. They still topped most of the quarters way before that, but they didn't like top their previous quarter. And people are like, oh no, it's the end of Apple. I'm like, really? It's the yeah. end? Of, like, how do how do we how do we get to a place in a country where a whole economy is based off of how much like excess you have? And I, how do you how do you live? How do you even begin to practice this on a way, in a way like at a large scale way that? I don't know. It seems so counterintuitive to how our economy works and our country works that I don't even know like to what end this could even go. Yeah, there, there's other cultures that don't struggle with that, right? <laughs> I mean, that don't look at it that way. Yeah, but, but it's, it's funny. I was thinking of the like the lawnmower thing. I'm like, okay, in that analogy though, at some point down the line, you're going to put my lawnmower salesman friend out of business, and now he can't feed his family, <laughs> right? Like, because we're not buying enough, right? Like, but the whole system is based on. Yeah, more. You have to consume, not just consume at a high rate, but more than the previous, right? Is the or else the economy is going down. So how do you balance that? Like, how do we? I don't know. I don't you know how that that works. Well, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> but that that's not working out so well. I really do think that it's irreconcilable, right? It, like, it, is, that, it is. is that the right word? Am I saying yeah. that correctly? Irreconcilable. There's, Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way you cannot resolve the tension. And I'm thinking grand scale, right? Like we can't right. come up with a system that's going to completely replace and everything be fine. I just think it's, you know, to to live this way or to attempt to move in that direction will ultimately lead to just a radical revolution, whether that's at your own, you know, personal level of how you understand life and everything. But if we tried in any, you know, gosh, if there was a community of people who believe something, <laughs> you know, and decided to do it, it would change uh, pretty dramatically the you know environment that they are in it's true yeah if a community committed to bread for the day right and taking care of each other and being um to live more simply it would change things the the one thing about that though that i think is important is to, to even attempt to remove that the image of that ultimately still leads out in kind of like an american mindset for me where it's like yeah that would eventually lead to a better society or something <laughs> like that and i think maybe the christian story is no that would ultimately die and mm-hmm. dissolve um and but then there would be you know hopefully some kind of new rebirth of life on the other side but it's not going to be this like beautiful you know oh that was so brilliant we came up with this wonderful thing that changed everything it's like well another no, way forward has to be down yeah that that's just one more iteration of the problem itself demonstration of competence right if we can yeah. create a church that's just perfect, we can demonstrate that we're doing it right. And that's the same problem of buying all of our crap so that we can show that we have it all together. But see, everything is, we're saying is super dangerous. Like you can't talk that way about the economy or about my life or about other people or about Christianity itself because it threatens all the things that we're built on. You know what that tells me? We're not built on the right stuff, Right. We're not, we're not yeah. built on the crap that matters. We're built on all of this shaky stuff. And like that's – if anyone should have fear, it should not be fear that we don't own enough. It's that we're – we have invested in the wrong things. And the moth and the rust and the thief and all that stuff is going to take down what we value. And we're going to have nothing left. What's scary to me or maybe you know, it's even scarier is that's not something that's going to happen. In some ways, if, if this is all true, this has already happened. You know what I mean? Like we live – uh, falsely, you know, or whatever I mean, like, you know, it's not just that, well, someday we're going to get to the point where we realize, oh man, all my stuff doesn't really mean, you know, anything. And I'm not, you know, my, my identity is not based on that. We're already living as if that's true when it's not. However horrible that might be that someday we'll finally get there. It's, it's, in some ways it's, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe this is a little too matrixy and it's all an illusion, right? But I just mean <laughs> our ability to live meaningful lives. Um, and that's why I think Jesus is so revolutionary is because it's this 
what we're able to do when hindered by all this stuff is really pathetic compared to, yes, you know. Now, at the same time, to, to jump to way out of the other end of the spectrum, I do think there are people, I know people who own tons of things, um, but yet that the way that they hold it and the way that they share mm-hmm. and whatever is, is beautiful and creates community and they're not dependent on it. There's a particular couple I'm thinking of that I knew in Bakersfield who, you know, have gone up and down in the experience of um, wealth. I mean, at one point their business was going amazingly. They had all this money and were crazy generous and gave, you know, gave stuff constantly to people, opened their house to all sorts of people and family and took on people. And then later their business kind of wasn't doing so great, but they were the same generous people even then. So somehow I think there, there are people and I think there is a way forward for, you know, it's not all hope is lost, but, you know, there are people who have tons of material wealth, it seems, or even tons of possession who we would look at and say, well, their life is not simple. Um, but yet the way they, they somehow know the deeper truth. And so I say that going, oh gosh, I hope that's my experience and not, you know, <laughs> I want, I want to be the person that's crazy wealthy. That, Jesus, that yeah, Jesus would say that's yeah. possible. It's just hard, right? Yeah, it's yeah, the right. camel through the needle thing. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Right. As long as that's a gate that they're describing, right? It's called the, co- <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can be the one. I can yeah. do it. God bless me so that I can be faithful to you and help all these other people with all of my wealth, right? That's why God blesses you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only way you can really know that God is blessing you is if you have an increase of stuff. So it is attachment. It's learning to be less attached to the stuff that's a, the stuff I own, my possessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not being codependent with your stuff. And giving more space to like yeah. thinking about things that I don't own. And just being present in the world with other people. Yeah. Solved it. We did. Solved we it. Figured, we, we figured it out. Progressed. And now we're going to sell it to as many people as we can. Fix them. We're going to monetize this yeah. right now. <laughs> All right. So so what? how do we want to leave this? Like, What are, what are our final thoughts for this, this particular subject? Okay. Mine would be that it is essential to develop some sort of simplicity practice, whether it's with material things or not. But some kind of practice that will help expose the blind sides or the um, blind spots that we have for our attachment to different things. So, for instance, some sort of practice of either um, silence. We'll go really uh, Christian here. Um, Or retreat away, like either in nature or somewhere where there's a period of time where you do not have access to the stuff and you're forced to you know, engage and be present with who you are away from all that. And I think that those experiences for me, uh, I've haven't been able to do it ex- regularly as I'd like to, but there's a monastery nearby I've been able to go up to and just being able to seriously spend 24 hours in silence. If you want to, I mean, you can talk to people too, but just reminds me, it's like a conditioning of, Oh, I am not just, you know, my amazing thoughts that I can come up with or all these pieces. Um, and maybe at some level, it's just keeping me in a, you know, I feel good enough about it. But I feel like without some sort of practice like that, I'm not even interested in this conversation then. You know, I'm like, oh, whatever, if you want to be spiritual in that way, go for it. But it's not applicable. So I don't know. I, I'm an advocate for regular practices. Um, and I'll pitch the monastery. Big sir, go up there. That's great. <laughs> My practice I'll pitch in that vein would be practicing boredom. I have invested lots of my time and effort into the things that deaden me, whether that's food or uh, entertainment or whatever. I spend so much time doing this so that it like I don't have to really be with myself or with the world or think about my life. I just kind of deaden my experience and practicing boredom breaks me out of that 
And I'm going to do that here on out each day. I'm going to try to be bored at least some point in the day. Know that I'm bored and not try to fix it. Is that weird? No, no, I don't think so. Again, going back to this idea of these are all good suggestions. And I think for all of us to figure out what works for us, you know, because I can easily, I can easily use all of those things. Like if I retreat to nature, I can still use it as a distraction. I can still Mm -hmm. use it as something to avoid who I am. And the same thing on the other side, like there are many times where it's helpful for me to, to, on the flip side, Alan, what you're talking about, like it's helpful for me to engage into a story and the deeper levels, whether it's through a movie or a book. And it really brings me self-reflection. Like it really helps me see some stuff and it prevents me from, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just need outward stimuli sometimes to kind of get my brain moving. Uh, Cause I, I feel like I'm a collaborative thinker, which is why I love this podcast. Like every time we have yeah. an episode, I'm thinking after like all these things that I'm thinking about. And even when, uh, you know, my wife and I worked closely together in our previous churches and ministry. And I, we would have conversations and be like, okay, how are we going to frame this? What should I talk about? And she'd throw out all these suggestions and I'd almost never end up going with what she suggested. But if she didn't suggest it and like get that ball rolling that I, my brain wouldn't have worked and I wouldn't have come to a certain conclusion. And I know sometimes we've had, we had like a lot of talks and I was like, I don't mean, it's not a dismissive thing, but it really is like, I just (laughs) need, I need conversation to happen so I can get my brain going and yeah, so I think it's, I think don't, don't like try other people's stuff, but never take anyone's advice as like gospel until you've had a chance to experience it for yourself and then be fine and confident with what works for you. And don't let that sway you from something that you really believe is kind of bring you into that place of, of self-awareness and disconnect from things that you think you need. Mm, real quick, last thing on with that things you think you need, maybe it'd be good for everyone to imagine losing things that they think are really important that they own, possessions, just one by one, sit for a moment and just imagine what life would be like completely losing that, losing access to it. And then just sit with that for a minute and just do that imaginative work so that we can start building identities that are not connected to all of that stuff. Yeah. Or even just like the super spiritual reason, like fast that thing. You know, I found that those those youth group fasts yeah. that we used to do were actually very helpful. Like not in the sense of that I was trying to deny myself something, but that I was truly trying to release myself from something and uh, give myself more freedom in the, in the meantime. So yeah, like I think, the, I think all those things are good. Um, let us know what you think. If you have anything to add to this conversation and you'd like to little dig a little deeper on some of the topic, you can go to irenacast.com slash 79. Wow. 79. Um, for questions and comments concerning the show in general, you can always Contact us at irenicast.com slash feedback, and there you can find all the ways to get a hold of us. So on the other side of music, we are going to be playing, a I don't know if it's a game, but we're going to be indulging ourselves in a little bit of simplistic excess with Desert Island. So Desert Island, we've had some discussion on how we're going to work this. So we are fully aware of the irony of this but we are assuming <laughs> that each of us are trapped on a desert island alone not with each other separate desert islands that look exactly separate the desert same. islands mm-hmm. exactly and we have everything we need to survive so we have access to food and water on a regular basis so we are talking three things that we would bring on a desert island as part of on the surface, it seems like excess, but we, we, we discussed this. Maybe we just justified it. Maybe discussion isn't the right word. 
but these things are something that'll add meaning because we all don't, none of us want to live a life of just eating and drinking and going to sleep and waking up. We need some kind of art or connection to something bigger than ourselves. So what would we bring to provide that alone for the rest of our lives on a desert island? So, Alan, let's start with you because I have a feeling you're probably more prepared than, <laughs> than I was. We are. I was trying to convince my other co-hosts that um, meaningful connections were essential to my life, and I couldn't survive without them. But they didn't think that that was appropriate. So, there's nobody else on the island, right? No, um, one. I, I, you I don't get to bring. People. I want to give the pat answer that I've I've given for everything, and it's just all the books in the world, all the books I own, whatever, just. I love books. I love reading. I feel so connected to other people when I read this stuff. I always suspend disbelief, and it's so meaningful to me that I feel like that's a non-answer, right? Like I'm, it I is because a, you can't. That's many things. Right, so you'd I, have I to pick to toss, one book. I'm going to toss that out. No, I'm not going to say just go books. with the Kindle. I'm not going to say books because fully loaded Kindle. No? Okay, it could be <laughs> that, once that it's dead, work. it's dead. It's work. true. I, I'm going to go with um, my. I'll go from least to most. How about that? Okay, I'm going to go with incense. Incense would be one because that's I probably burn incense almost every single day. And it's the kind that doesn't like get inside of your lungs and give you cancer. <laughs> it's the it, it's very important that you buy good incense because if you buy the cheap <laughs> stuff, you could die just trying to enjoy yourself. But yeah. what do you care? Like that's right. You're on the island. <laughs> I would still care. <laughs> Speeding up the inevitable. You were like, nobody wants to just wake up and eat and go to I was like, I do. the important question is what scent uh do you have a favorite yeah osmanthus is one um amazing what is that is that a person osmanthus o-s-m-a-n-t-h-u-s and that doesn't define it for me you spelled it thank you um (laughs) mild fruity floral note but why don't you just like burn stuff that's already there on the island it's not the same uh so you have to I would bring a bunch of the really good stuff that okay. <laughs> uh, I could burn. And then I'm just going to give all three. We give all three in a row, right? Instead of doing yeah. a round thing. Then I would also bring my my journals, my journal, just my whole stack of my personal journals so I can reflect. I'm a very self-reflective person, and I like looking at um, where I've been and the way I thought and felt. It's uh, probably the the most important physical thing in the world. If I lost everything else, I'm not even kidding. The whole house could burn down. Maybe even my dog. No, I'm not going to say that. Not my dog. It, I would take my journal out of the house before anything else because it is like the one thing that means the most to me. So I'd have my journal. I'd be writing in it while my Osmanthus was burning. And I would bring my instrumental YouTube playlist to the island because I need instrumental music in the background while I'm journaling and so journal incense and some kind of music youtube playlist not some kind instrumental instrumental like post rock classical all sorts of stuff do you have any particular artists that you would like to plug at this point i mean you're already driving up uh incense sales across the world you might as well (laughs) help somebody out Uh, ellen's enjoying the sense and reflecting over dubsteps like (laughs) (laughs) just the soundtrack from inception (laughs) okay so yeah you know what i'm not going to talk about all the artists there's a whole lot maybe i'll maybe i'll link all of them but i will say the musical score from stranger things is so good and i don't know if you've seen the the episodes and stuff yet but stranger things on netflix everyone needs to watch it oh my gosh it 
Yeah. I just love that movie or that, that show. And I've talked to other people into watching it and I've been listening to the, the score that's created by survive. That's the name of the band. And it's like this synth pop, uh, synth wave stuff from inspired by the eighties. And I went on SoundCloud and I looked it up and it connected me to all this other synth music. So now I'm just listening to like electronic synth all the time while I'm doing other stuff. Fantastic. Look up the song kids Two. That's the best one. Out of all of kids too we'll put it we'll put a link in the show notes I've got one episode left for are you serious things. season one Ooh. i'm really excited <laughs> so good so good <laughs> all right jeff what would you have on a desert island okay so the first thing i would bring is a photo album with pictures of everyone that i care about and know because I honestly, I, I can't even stomach the thought of getting to a place where I have to try to remember what someone looks like. Because I'm assuming that we're going to be on this island forever, right? You this thought is about this die. way deeper than I did, yeah. just FYI. <laughs> no, this was, this was the first thing. Like this, I didn't really? even think about this. This popped up. Like I just, the thought of forgetting what people in my life look like. So that's, that's number one. Like I have to have that. I think that's a dad answer. It is. It absolutely is. I never would have thought of that before kids. Never. Um, But now like this idea, because like, honestly, like I've, I've kind of, unless I had pictures, I kind of forget like what they looked like when they were an infant. Like it goes that quick. And to think like, oh no, like if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't even have thought of this. So that's number one. Like it's gotta be at the top of my list. I'm actually going to duplicate yours, Alan, some kind of writing thing. It doesn't matter to me, like a pen and a paper or yeah. are the, the rules of this universe. If you have an endless playlist, is there like power available? Because if there is, then I'd rather have a laptop <laughs> to type with. Um, sure. Obviously, it's not connected to the Internet. but Really? I, I would actually like to physically write more than I like to type. Oh, no, I, I can't. If I don't have to physically <laughs> write, I won't do it. Um, and then I guess the last thing would be my guitar. You give me a chance to be really good. Even though no one else will hear it, but at least to be like, hey, <laughs> I'm way better than I used to. And it give me something to to occupy my brain. So those are the three things. Photo album with all the people I love, something to write. We'll just say laptop since we have unlimited power apparently. And my guitar. Nice. I mean the the photo album thing it, it's like, pretty legit. Oh. Well, kinda like I think like before I so I have an eleven month old. And man, before that I would have been like, Oh, that's yeah, that'd be important. But now it's like, oh my gosh. I almost start crying when you say it. <laughs> I'm that emotional of a person. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I need to like, uh, I was thinking of the, like, the, I have a, you know, people do like the one second a day video things. Oh, yeah. It's like, I just need the first year. Like, give me that. <laughs> All right. I got three. So one of mine is the same as both of yours, sort of. It was a sketchbook. Um, I like to write or sketch, and I was wondering if a pen would count. It has to be. Is it, can that be separate? We can, I mean, a I don't pen and paper we can yeah, bring okay. together. That'd be one thing. Okay, and the pen has to be a 0.5 uh, <laughs> fine point pilot pen. There's just no other way around it. These things are important. People don't realize it's very important to have the right pen. Well, I'm left-handed, oh. and I smear if you you know have too thick of ink or whatever you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so. Sketchbook and pen. Um, okay, I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I don't currently have one of these, but if I'm stuck on a desert island, I want a green laser pointer. <laughs> just going to let that sink in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the, the explanation. Okay, well, this. The, the reason green is because the green laser pointers, you can actually see the beam at night. Like it's, 
it's not just the dot that's way out there. You can actually see the beam itself. Um, Those are sweet. Ever since I was little, I just, I I want one. (laughs) Um, And I'm thinking out there, like seeing the stars, so you like use it for stargazing and stuff. You can actually like, you know, point at something and people can see it. Um, I just think I would be endlessly entertained with a green (laughs) laser in the middle of the night, random. Or even like I'm thinking... You know, reenacting every lightsaber battle, every from lightsaber Star Wars. battle. They would like have a sense of a weapon too. You know, I could like point it at things, and then you know that went bump in the night. Um, yeah, and see how far away they are, and shine it for help if somebody was going to come pick you up. You could do but I, I mean, seriously, if it was, it would just entertain the crap out of me. The whole <laughs> like, I would be so, it, you know, I'd probably go crazy, but I would enjoy it. <laughs> oh my god, just be like a weird cat stuck. On- <laughs> Oh man, I'd set up like elaborate mirror like kind of things. <laughs> Look, I can create like oh yeah. I just feel like creatively that would be really all right. I'm, I'm, I'm my my actually my deep hope here is that somebody listening to the show will send in like a coupon or something for me to give. That's smart free things. <laughs> you just want to my simplicity. That's right. If you're out there, uh, uh, some supply company worker. You're, you know your life is not complete until you have one. Just <laughs> you so you're aware. Oh man. Uh, and the third thing I, I, I'm going to go with what, I mean, sorry, I guess it's copying Jeff a little bit, but I would want, so I, I am seriously probably only, I guess it's one month and a few days away from completing the like one second a day, uh, video montage of my daughter. Um, and I've missed a few days. Don't tell anyone. Um, but it's, yeah, these one second or even sometimes one and a half second, but it's just a really crazy clip and how much she has changed. And and it's amazing to see the things that are the same, like the, the way her eyes look or um, just like different expressions and how they've developed. Um, yeah. I mean, I couldn't even imagine, you know, not whatever, continuing this particular, I mean, it just gets sad so fast, <laughs> but like to have that kind of like the visual of just, I mean, I can sit and watch it. My wife and I, you know, well, I mean, this is so cheesy. It's getting really daddy real quick, but like, yeah, just sit in bed <laughs> like after watching video you know after seeing her all day in real life and even being you know frustrated or seeing you know being bored or you know gosh why won't she go to sleep but then like you know we'll get in bed and it's like turn on the iphone oh look at this video i just took you know or this video i took earlier <laughs> in the day can you see her um anyway crazy cheesy sentimental but there you go all right that's well you know i should i should really go back and say the real answer because obviously there's nothing more important than bringing my John MacArthur study Bible. I mean, I, sh- I, can't, I can't believe I didn't add that to the list. Like, I, we're Christians I got here, one right? When like, I was sixteen years old. All right, that's that's legit. Okay, that's that's a milestone in a young Christian man's soon to be Christian man over women's life, right there. That's right. That's right. I bet yours is all highlighted and marked up. Oh yeah, especially the commentary on the. By the way. I'm sorry if you guys like John MacArthur and you're listening to this. First of all, thank you for listening. I'm really glad you're expanding your horizons. Um, but it's just terrible. And if you are listening and you love John MacArthur, like we want to hear from you because <laughs> we don't we don't get a lot of pushback, and there's no way that you can be on board with everything we've said and still also like John MacArthur. So uh, look up a critical. Co- sorry, I'm starting to get all Bible scholar warrior right now. My bad. I was just gonna say look up critical commentaries. Because man, you're missing out. Don't say John MacArthur, you trigger me. (laughs) PTSD right there. (laughs) I always will. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, 
Adam, thank you so much for joining us this week for this conversation. Uh, I think that'll do it for us. If you enjoy what you hear and you want to support Irenicast, you can go to irenicast.com slash support, and there you can find all the ways to show us some love. Uh, so for this week, I'm Jeff. Mona's not here, so I'm Alan. I'm Adam. Thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining the conversation.